Good morning, church. All right, so uh, first let me give you an update uh, about the new church building, what we have going on there. Uh, this past week was the um, IT cords, the uh, networking was being installed, so um, thank you so much to you guys that helped unload all of the sheetrock and the OSB board that, you know, we had 10 ton almost of that, and you guys showed up. And I think there were more men um, unloading that trailer than there were people at church. So I don't really know how that happens. <laughs> but maybe it's just the big dudes carrying sheets of plywood. And I think some girls helped too. Um, just seemed like a lot of folks. So um, that was great. Thank you. But um, we, uh, Ben and I, were a little worried about getting all of the um, Cat 6 uh, information line ran. And... Uh, we were thinking, man, this is going to take us a while, and the guys are going to get ready to sheetrock. Well, I went over there one day and, um, you know, talked about it with some of the guys and went to the thrift store to work, and it was probably an hour and a half, and I got a call and said they were finished. So they just pretty much, except for a, a little bit left. So um, they uh, worked really hard, and we got that done. Am I going to have to switch microphones, guys? Is this not sounding right? I used a paper clip here to flip it on my collar. Is that is that creating interference? Maybe it sounds, does it sound all right to you guys? Okay. Well, then it's just sounding weird with me. So, um, yes, that's that's going quite well. Um, okay, today, uh, let's start with prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word, and uh, we ask that you to help us apply it to our lives, and what helps us to be serious about our faith, serious about what you've taught us. In your son's name that we pray, amen. All right, today we're on 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. If you follow along in your Bibles, that would be the scripture that we're working on. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and in this text, um, Paul is continuing to um, almost drill Timothy about how he wants him to lead the new church. So, verse 11 First Timothy chapter 4 says, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Paul says, insist, insist. You know, by the way, Paul talks to Timothy. We get the idea that perhaps Timothy is a little bit timid, a little bit mm, on the non-boldish side. Like maybe he struggles with uh, talking to people about his faith, and, and maybe in a, a, a bold way. Does anyone here ever struggle with that? I have. I can relate to Timothy, if that's the case here. Paul says, hey, I want you to insist that they learn these things, the people that he's leading. Um, Paul wanted him to make sure that they learned. Other translations say, command these things. Oh, that seems a bit forceful, though. If we are to do as Timothy is to do, like Paul tells him, then we are to insist, we are to command these things that the Scripture teaches us. It seems kind of uh, forceful. But it can be often needed for us to be very confident about our faith. Have you ever been in a group of people who are working to accomplish a task, but there's no real person in, in lead.
command there. And so you got uh, a bunch of people running around to do things, and, and um, not a lot is getting done because no one knows what the, the end goal is to be and how to get there. And uh, it's just a frenzy, and, and you want someone to step up. And when a person does step up who knows what's going on and starts giving commands and insists on doing things, well, the chaos calms down and things start to happen. People listen. And if you've ever been in one of those situations, you know that having someone insist on things and command things is very productive and good. I think that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do here. He says, step up and tell the others what they need to do. Insist that they learn these things. Now, um, what are these things? These things that Paul is talking about, is telling Timothy, what, what are they? Uh, these are the basics that Paul mentioned in verses 6 through 10, the verses that we went over last week, the, six, the, the other things like um, they insist that they be, or he insists that they be nourished by the message of faith. So we discussed these last week. How's everyone doing with that, about being nourished? Are you, are you working um, throughout your day to be nourished by the word of God? to be nourished by the faith through talking to other people, by talking to God as well. Um, he wants us to be nourished. Um, how are you doing as far as uh, not wasting time on nonsense? How much time have we wasted on nonsense? These are the things that Paul is telling Timothy to insist that they learn, to uh, train yourself. Have we been training ourselves um, actively on uh, ways to increase our faith? Have we been doing what is hard so that it won't be hard anymore? When you train yourself on something, it's hard at first, and there's pain, and there's a discomfort. But when we train ourselves on it, that becomes easier. And we move on and move up and keep training ourselves um, until we're able to uh, really get a good grasp on things. These are the things that Paul wants Timothy to insist on. Now, why? Go to the verse right before that. Is that uh, they, because our hope is in the living God who is the Savior. Now, um, let's not forget the living part. I'm not sure where I had that scripture. The, the verse says that our God is is living, living. Uh, man, how often do we forget that our God is alive? Sometimes we just live like Christianity it just comes from, from an old book and that people from the old times uh, wrote it and made it up and it doesn't apply today. The more we nourish ourselves, though, the more we throw ourselves into the scripture, the more we see that God is alive and active. We cannot forget the part that God is living. 
if our God is not living, then what are we doing? The answer to that question is nothing. If our God is not living, then we are accomplishing nothing here on this world. And if he's not living, then, well, he's not our Savior. Because Jesus rose from the grave and is living. That way we can be risen from our current situation. But if he hasn't been risen, then, well, neither will he, and that mean, neither will we. That means he's not our Savior. But he is living. And if we are interacting with our living God throughout the moments of our day, if, if, if we're not interacting, then what are we doing? Well, we're wasting time. So I insist that you don't ever forget that God lives. Paul says, Timothy, in verse 12, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Now, the youth know this verse. Don't ever let anyone think less of you. This is a great verse that the kids would say. And, and, you know, they say, I'm important. I know things, and I have things to share. The don't let part says, don't let anyone think of you less of you. Uh, sounds kind of like insist. Paul says, insist they learn these things. But, you know, how can Timothy not let anyone think less of him. You ever wondered that about this verse? Don't let anyone think less of you. How do you control others? How can you not let them think less of you? I've always wondered that, you know. But if we look at it and read the rest of the verse, be an example all believers and what you say, and the way you live, and your love, and your faith, and your purity, there's the answer of how we don't let. You can't control the people around you, especially the ones who are older than you. You have to let your behavior and your conduct draw attention from others so that you can influence them. You can't just demand attention. Babies do that. Babies cry and they demand your attention because they need fed or they need changed or they need, uh, they need help with something or warmth. Or they cry and they demand your attention. When you grow older, you can't just demand attention and get good attention. You can get negative attention. But that's not the kind of attention that Paul is talking about here. Don't let anyone else think less of you. Uh, our culture nowadays uh, thinks that uh, it's good to demand attention, kind of like the babies do. And I'm just generalizing. But, um, you know, uh, hey, I need attention. Look at me. I'm, I'm special. Um, I'm oppressed. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not as well off as, as uh, other people, so I need that attention. And, and they cry out. And this verse that Paul is telling us to do, he says, hey, it's, it's your behavior and conduct that should get the attention. 
Uh, I read a book one time called um, Ernest Shackleton's Endurance. I highly recommend that book. That is a, a, a wild book about um, Shackleton who got this ship and he got uh, a bunch of guys and they went to uh, navigate the, uh, the North or the South Pole, I think, the South Pole. And uh, the ship got frozen in the ice and it crushed the ship. And these guys had to walk um, for a year on the ice flows. And this guy, Ernest Shackleton, is in his 30s. And he's an outstanding leader. The guys he took with him, are most of them are older than he was. And there, there's a neat part in the book to where you see um, the older guys, two or three of them, they hop off on some pieces of ice that have broken off. And they're, they're in the middle of the ocean. And they step on this ice and they push away and they're floating on the ice to have fun because it's, it's uh, you know, negative degrees and they haven't had fun and they've been living off of um, blubber from sea walruses and things like that. And life is really dull and really crazy and they needed something to have. And then Shackleton comes around the corner and they instantly feel like they're little boys who had just got caught doing something bad. And he was much younger, Shackleton was much younger than the guys that were um, giving him respect and accepting him as authority. And why was that? It's because Shackleton was a leader in the way that by his behavior and conduct showed that he wanted what's best for his crew. And I don't hate to spoil the book, but uh, all of the men make it out alive. 100%. And they walked for like the better part of a year in uh, sub-freezing conditions. What a leader. By his behavior and conduct. We are to be an example to believers. An example by what we, what we say and the way we live. That's why we're talking about serious living. This whole year almost we've spent on Serious living in your love and your faith and your purity. Now, there you go. That's how you don't let anyone think less of you if you're a young person. You uh, set an example by what you say, man. Put every word that comes out of your mouth to good use. As a matter of fact, before you let it out of your mouth, make sure it will be of good use because once it comes out, it won't go back in. And then in the way you live, oh, the love that you show, faith, purity, be an example. That's how you don't let anyone think less of you. Now, how do you learn all that? How do you learn all those things? Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 13. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging them to the believers and teaching them. Encouraging them in the scriptures by reading them. Focus on the scriptures. Um, and don't forget the encouraging part. Encouragement is so powerful. And we can draw people up to who God made them to be by words of encouragement. 
Uh, we do it with our kids. We tell them, man, good job with the chores so that uh, we can encourage them to do the chores next time. And, you know, we, we tell our little guys, man, that was a, you're strong. Look at you pick up that. Um, you're going to grow into a fine strapping young man. And that little guy uh, pokes out his chest because he's excited to become the man that God created him to be. We tell our daughters how lovely they are um, because that's who God made them. And, and that encourages them up to be a woman uh, made in God's image. And we tell others, uh, encouraging them. Um, we can do adults this way as well. Man, I get so much encouragement from you guys. And I'm telling you, encouragement is so powerful. If you want to learn more about uh, encouragement, I'm, I, I want to encourage you to study um, Barnabas, um, the son of encouragement in the scriptures and in the book of Acts. Jesus is uh, the best example of encouragement. Remember when the disciples were out on the boat in the middle of the Galilee? There was a storm in the middle of this lake, huge lake. It's called the sea sometimes. And, and the disciples, they were scared, thinking, oh, we're, we're going to die. There's no way to get out of this. We're in this small boat. The waves are high. And then they see Jesus walking on the water, and they're even more scared at that point. No, this storm is going to take their boat under, but there's a ghost walking on the water. They're really scared. And then Jesus called out to them. Listen to this encouragement. Short, sweet, and simple. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I am here, Jesus said. And then Peter is so encouraged at that point. He says, uh, and he, he comes up with this in his mind, uh, man, wouldn't it be so cool if, if I walked on the water as well? And he says, hey, Jesus, can I come out there and walk on the water as well? And he says it in a little bit different words than that. And, uh, but Jesus says, come on. You can walk to me. Peter steps out of the boat. Man, he, man he's, he is walking. And then, and then all of a sudden, he, he forgot the encouragement, and so he's sinking and Jesus reaches out and grabs him. There are some great ways to encourage folks. Number one, uh, we reach out to them when they need encouragement. We reach out to them. Number two, uh, they tell people, come on, Jesus is here for you. We should be strong at encouraging church. We should be the most strong encouragers there is. As a matter of fact, I insist that you be extra encouraging this week. When people are scared because the storms are happening around in their lives, encourage them. Tell them, Jesus says, come on. Paul tells Timothy in verse 14, is do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live, on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Three things we have got to take out of this 
this text. First, do not neglect the spiritual gifts. Do not neglect it. Uh, we don't really know what Timothy's spiritual gift was. It was probably the ministry that he was um, gifted with uh, maybe preaching or reaching out to others. <clears throat> but Paul emphasized its importance. He said, this is important, Timothy. Use what God has given you. And so today, standing before you, I insist, am I insisting too much? I encourage, I definitely encourage you to figure out what your spiritual gift is, what your spiritual gifting is, and to use it for the kingdom of God. That's why God gifted you with it. Now, how do you figure out what your gifting is? Well, in this verse, it seems pretty easy. Um, it was prophecy spoken when the elders of the church laid their hands on them. And, and man, I, I would love for that to, um, that to be the case here you know, nowadays where we could just um, know what everyone's spiritual gifts is and lay hands on them. And I, I believe that that can happen, although we don't do that uh, too often. So how do we know what our spiritual, spiritual gift is? Well, um, that's a topic for a whole other sermon, but a few steps. Uh, ask God. Pray to Him. You know, what have I been gifted with, God? You can read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, Isaiah chapter 11, Romans chapter 12. Um, all those verses give even lists of things that God um, spiritually gifts us with and everyone has a spiritual gift and I guarantee you whatever it is you are going to be good at it because God gave it to you as this verse says do not neglect it if you don't know your spiritual gift you might probably be neglecting it don't neglect it next he says throw yourself so, uh, I want everyone to say, throw yourself. There you go. Throw yourself. Uh, this weekend, I threw myself into a tree branch. You see my head? Um, the idea is all in. It's the, uh, the sell everything you've got mentality. When the rich man came to Jesus to ask, how can he get to heaven? You remember that story when Jesus was... in was talking to that, <laughs> that, that fellow, the young rich ruler, and he says, man, I, I, I've done this. It's like, it's like he's got a, a bucket of tasks in his arms. He's, he's, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this. Does that get me to heaven? And it, Jesus says, uh, well, um, he's like Jesus looks over into that bucket. So what, what, what about that that's still left in the bucket? Rich men, what, that? You want everything? Yes, Jesus says. You know, he wants everything that we have. Throw ourselves into it. That's the idea of throwing ourselves. And the rich young ruler, we don't know if he emptied his bucket to Jesus or not. We get the idea that he probably didn't because he went away sad. What's in your bucket? Is there something left? that you haven't turned over to Jesus, that you haven't given to him? 
It's Jesus asking, looking into your bucket and asking what, what else you got in that bucket. Oh, I want that too. It's worth noting that the scripture uh, in, this, uh, in this story of Jesus, uh, it says that Jesus felt genuine love for the young man who had the question, how do I get to heaven? Jesus felt genuine love for him. Man, we need to feel that same genuine love for others. Well, I think it's impossible for us to love others the same as Jesus loves them. Probably really hard to get to that point, if not impossible here on earth. Jesus loved us so much. We need to attempt to get to that point where we love others so much that, man, we would boldly uh, throw ourselves into our lives and growing our faith so that we can influence those others. Throw yourself all in to growing your faith into the tasks so that everyone can see your progress. And hey, you will not regret it. I promise you. Verse 16 tells us to keep a close watch and stay true. Close watch and stay true. Here's why. Salvation. The end of the verse tells us salvation, not only for us, but the ones around you. The sake of not your own salvation, those around you. Verse uh, Isaiah chapter, chapter 9. For a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Did you hear that? The government will be upon his shoulder. That means everything will be on the shoulders of Jesus, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We read that at Christmas time. So much more. Everything on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Man, it's important to keep a close watch and to stay true to the Prince of Peace. Focus on what he has done. Stay true to him. Our Jesus gives us freedom from sin, and we can look forward to being free from every kind of of evil influence if you call on his name. If. That if. We've got to call on his name. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on his name? Or are you still dragging the ball and chain around? The ball and chain. Why do we use that terminology? Because Jesus sets us free from something. And that something is sin. And that sin is just like a ball and chain that just you drag behind you. And you've heard it put that the way to heaven, the path is narrow. You've heard that from Jesus. It's a narrow path. And sometimes it, it would do us well to picture our sin is like a ball and chain, and that ball, it just won't fit in between the gate of that narrow path that leads to Jesus, to heaven. We have that sin just attached to us. But you know who can break that chain? 
That's our Savior. And if you call on His name, this verse says, then that chain will be broken and you can fit through the narrow path. Get rid of it. I insist that you get rid of that sin. And the only way to do that is Jesus. Now, today uh, we have two uh, young ones, Temperance and Noble, who have cut the chain free. Temperance and Noble, you can come on up. You are an example of faith to us. Come on up here, guys. Now, I know that uh, I've, I've talked to you guys about it, and you guys have decided to make the decision that that ball and chain of sin, you don't have nothing to do with it anymore. Right? And you decided to put your faith in Jesus. <laughs> you recognize that the only way for us to get rid of sin is to accept Jesus as your Savior. And you know that verse that said, man, uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You guys are pretty young, right? Pretty young. Here you are being an example with your life to all these folks who are here today seeing you do this. The example of, hey, you've cut that chain loose by accepting Jesus, and now you're going to publicly be baptized to uh, show everyone that this is how it's done, leaving it all behind you and taking step forward to, to uh, you know, work towards that spiritual gift that God has made you to. He has something very special planned for temperance and for you, Noble. Um, in your life, and I, I have faith that uh, you guys are ready to take on anything that he gives you. So um, let me pray over you right now. Congregation, let's pray, and then we'll go back and get ready. Uh, dear Jesus, we're so grateful for these, uh, these two kids that have decided to give their life 100% to you. Lord, we pray that you would uh, strengthen them and that you would uh, continue to use them as an example like they are today. Uh, Lord Jesus, we ask you to bless them, just like you've, you've blessed us with their presence in our, our church body. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.